I couldn't sleep at all last night Welcome all you sunrisers and moonrisers to Sleepless in Studio City, a safe place for discussing what's keeping your mind, body, and spirit from sweet, sound slumber. Your host, Dr. Debs, a celebrated columnist, lauded love, romance, relationship, and dating coach, offers simple, soothing solutions and heartfelt help. Dr. Debs will discuss topics such as finding and keeping the love you deserve, dating, marriage, parenting, setting boundaries, breaking the cycle, breaking up, following your dreams. We respect your privacy and will not reveal names or contact info. If you'd like your questions answered during a show but are hesitant to call in, please feel free to write Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com and she will address your concerns on the next broadcast. You can also find updates and weekly affirmations on Facebook slash Sleepless in Studio City. And now, without further ado... Here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Zach, for that energizing introduction. Always a pleasure and honor to be here with all you night owls for another exciting episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Stay tuned for our magical musical interlude. I'll be presenting the acclaimed, accomplished singer-songwriter Sarah Partridge. She'll be revealing the meaning of music in her life, advice for aspiring artists, what she believes is the key to finding and keeping love, and much, much more. We'll be hearing the tune at 17 from her album entitled Bright Lights and Promises Redefining Janice Ian. <laughs> The album has been reviewed accordingly. Partridge hits a bullseye on every single song. She can scat, strut, soar, and tear your heart and soul to shreds without ever breaking a sweat. She's that good. <laughs> These performances are that memorable, and this album is most certainly one for the ages. And another reviewer said, Partridge is one of jazz's better-kept secrets. A masterfully unsentimental singer whose vocal clarity and intelligent interpretation skip right past the merely pretty in order to locate harder truths and more rugged beauty. And last but not least, Partridge's phrasing is everything on this record and shows a dexterity and innate versatility that's rare. Some of these songs sound like they were written for her. The iconic 1987 album by Jennifer Warren's famous Blue Raincoat famously reinterpreted the unique songs of Leonard Cohen. Sarah Partridge achieves a similar result on Bright Lights and Promises with the timeless and skillfully crafted songs of Janice Ian and deserves great respect and acclaim for such a special record. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss this heartfelt revealing interview with Sarah Partridge. 
I was thinking about how June is busting out all over and we're all busting out into the world after 15 months of COVID isolation and hibernation. Then pray tell why is everyone still so afraid to venture into the wild blue yonder? Have we gotten comfortable in our discomfort, enjoying not having to socialize or commune in person, staying safe, warm, comfy, cozy in the confines of our residences? Is it not only keeping safe from contracting the illness, but safe from the big bad wolf in the form of sharks, bullies, and abusers? <laughs> I've certainly reveled in not being battered by others' indiscretions, malfeasance, negligence, dereliction of duty, heedlessness, unconcern, laxity, slackness, irresponsibility, wickedness, evil, vice, iniquity, <laughs> trespass, transgression, peccadillo, mean-spirited, unkind, nasty, unpleasant, spiteful, malicious, unfair, cruel, shabby, foul, despicable, contemptible, obnoxious, vile, odious, loathsome, base, low, <laughs> horrible, horrid, hateful, rotten, low-down, beastly behavior, bullying, put-downs, verbal and emotional abuse. Okay, so maybe I've been self-destructing in other ways, but at least I only have myself to blame. Wearing a mask outside has been heaven since I usually wear one anyway, but this time it's the real deal. The dichotomy is I haven't been able to hide my authenticity behind the mask. In fact, quite the opposite. I've been more and more vulnerable along with the rest of us as the days have passed. And that's what I'm afraid to go back to. The superficiality, the surface relationships, the users, the abusers. <laughs> I crave and yearn for the depth I've been experiencing during the lockdown. The relationships that have thickened and grown by leaps and bounds. The focus on values that matter because everything isn't clouded by activities rushing and racing around, going nowhere in circles, trying to catch the fame, fortune, and glory as quick as we can. By whatever means we can, not noticing when we step on others, ignore them, demean them, deride them. When we're like a speeding locomotive, we don't care who we run over on the way. My dad used to say, ha, you see the same people going up as you do going down, so it behooves you to treat everyone with respect. Okay, well, maybe he didn't practice what he preached with those close to him. Maybe he was a different person in the office where he thrived and flourished. Yet when he came home, he let it all hang out. Unfortunately for me, it was the verbal, physical, and emotional abuse. Okay, Daddy, so you had a bad day at the office, but please don't take it out on me. I could say the same thing for my mom. Okay, Mom, so Dad wasn't being loving to you, but please don't take it out on me. And to my sister, okay, so you haven't been adored and exalted today by the world, but please don't take it out on me. Oy vey, being the scapegoat ain't easy. No surprise, I felt compelled to retreat into my protective shell, hiding behind the hardness. That's what I got to do during COVID. Remain behind the toughness, pretending I'm okay on my own, that I don't need anyone or anything, that I can survive through the isolation. Well, I made it in one piece, or did I? I feel like Humpty Dumpty, who fell apart and no one can put him back together again. I'm going to have to start afresh and new, just like the rest of us. 
I want to use this teachable moment to its optimum advantage. And remember, I don't have to put on my tough girl mask anymore. I can be strong and vulnerable. In fact, there's power in vulnerability. It's an asset, not a defect. It's okay to cry. Big boys cry. What do you do to take off your mask? What do you do to remind yourself what's important in the world? Where have all the values gone? Long time passing. Where have all the values gone? Long time ago. I was talking to a dear confidant the other day who reluctantly revealed to me how he watches old episodes of TV shows from the 50s and 60s. That's how he relaxes and zones out and escapes. It was a time when everything seemed simpler and lighter, he expounded. Everyone treated one another with kindness. <laughs> Maybe it's time we started watching reruns of the Andy Griffith show, the Donna Reed show. Father knows best. Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> These TV shows prided themselves in always having a moral to the story. Each one had redeeming social value, (laughs) which means it could pass the test of the TV regulations board of acceptable material. Unlike today, (laughs) where not much is prohibited, a majority of the entertainment is centered around violence, murder, rape, abuse, foul language. Ah, let's get back to the innocence, the purity, delete the smut, (laughs) the derangement, the insanity. That's what it is. We've all become a bit insane because a sane person wouldn't destroy other people physically, verbally, or emotionally. They wouldn't murder, maim, (laughs) and mar through words or any other way. You have to be out of your mind to beat someone psychologically. It reminds me of the criminal excuse for murder, that you weren't in your right mind when you saw your wife in bed with another man, so you killed him because you had a moment of being batty, mad as a hatter around the bed, bag shit, stark, raving, mad, loopy, unhinged, crack, psycho, cuckoo, craze, loony, loopy, loco, nuts, screwy, crackers, wacko, off one's rocker. (laughs) Not all there of unsound mind, certifiable, psychotic, schizophrenic, non-compos mentis. Well, there's no excuse for abuse. Not because you're drunk or because you had a no good, bad, horrible day or you had a headache. Reference my favorite commercial for Bayer Aspen. That tagline was, sure, mommy, you have a headache, but don't take it out on me. I used to watch that commercial on a daily basis. I wish my mom was listening, but I never mentioned it to her. Not being allowed to speak in my family told to shut up day in and day out. It wasn't safe to use my voice. It wasn't safe to use my talents. It wasn't safe to use my gifts. It wasn't safe to love. It wasn't safe to touch. It wasn't safe to be touched. It wasn't safe to breathe. Ergo, I spent my childhood holding my breath, unable to breathe, having a major case of asthma. (laughs) I'm still holding my breath in the world behind the mask, afraid to catch a disease, afraid to be given a disease. By that dis-ease, I mean the wrath of others. 
the unhinged, unbalanced, unstable, disturbed behavior of others directed my way. I'm not going to breathe in your mad, deranged, demented, rageful behavior anymore. Don't spew your bananas, bush, bonkers, raving, mad, pugnacious behavior on me. Besides, I'm going to keep my mask on, albeit the metaphorical one. <laughs> you can't penetrate my bubble where only positivity and nurturing spirits enter and negativity critical spirits bounce right off and return back from whence they came. Basically, folks, it's going to take bountiful, boundless boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> That's the teachable moment post-COVID, keeping that six feet <laughs> of a distance emotionally, mentally, spiritually, psychologically. Even though the walls are down, the doors are open, we can come and go as we please. We must, 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 or bust <laughs> set strict boundaries to protect ourselves, not just from COVID, but from the mistreatment, malfeasance, the ultimate underlying pandemic running rampant as we speak, verbal, mental, emotional battery and abuse. It's always been there. Using words as weapons won't be eliminated by any vaccine or medicine. How about this? Remembering no is a complete sentence. Just like we told everyone, back up. <laughs> During COVID, we can hold up the hand and say, talk to the hand because the ears aren't listening. Whatever it takes to keep away someone's rage and anger. You don't deserve to be treated that way anymore. It would be great if everyone remembered to cover their mouth <laughs> and their lips, not with a mask, but to stop, pause, breathe, think before you speak is what I'm about to say Thoughtful, helpful, intelligent, necessary, and kind. T-H-I-N-K. <laughs> oh, no wonder I'm exhausted thinking of this tall order before me. We're all going to have to take on post-COVID when we're out in the world again. It's been so nice to be free of that verbal aggression, that sarcasm, that wit with a bite. Whew. I'm so pure and clean right now. I feel like an innocent babe. <laughs> and that's what I am going out into the world for the first time. It's a mission possible, as I always decry. I'm up to the task. I'm capable of the challenge. I have tools in my toolkit to keep me from regressing and transgressing to pre-COVID insanity, foolishness, madness, idiocy, lunacy, silliness, and craziness. Today, I will practice in all my affairs love, kindness, patience, tolerance, love, life's only valid expression. In order to achieve equanimity, reciprocity, acceptance, adoration, admiration, appreciation, peace, serenity, sanity, safety, there is only one choice, and that is boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. 
No is a complete sentence. I can speak slowly and softly. And I can follow through with my boundary. People-pleasing is no longer working. <laughs> I don't know who came up with the plan, the idea that we had to, at all costs, please other people, that we didn't have rights. <laughs> we all have the inalienable right <laughs> to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It doesn't mean we have to go to the happiest place on earth, Disneyland, to find happiness. We can find it in our own backyard, and it's not about how much money we have, the size of the house we live in, or what kind of car we drive, or how many designer clothes are in our closet. <laughs> all the wealth in the world, all the riches, the gems, the treasures, <laughs> they're right inside of you. You don't have to go far to find paradise on earth. It's within you. And the way to be the best version of yourself is to reflect from others that are like-minded spirits. If you're attracting people who are abusers and users, there's something wrong with your picker. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on my picker. Because as I leave my home and walk out into the world once more after 15 months, I'm going to pause and I'm going to think and I'm going to make choices based on mindfulness, meaning taking a tizzy, taking my time, pausing, remembering, recollecting, reminiscing, that I'm a lovable and valuable human being. I deserve to be treated in the manner that I treat others. Reciprocity, equanimity, acceptance, attention, adoration, admiration, appreciation. Oh, did I say those before? <laughs> I leave you with this meditation. May I be peaceful, happy, and light in mind, body, and spirit. May you be peaceful, happy, and light in mind, body, and spirit. May they be peaceful, happy, and light in mind, body, and spirit. You can use this on yourself. Then another person, especially someone who irks you or pushes your buttons. Then on the world at large. May I be safe and free from illness and injury. May you be safe and free from illness and injury. May they be safe and free from illness and injury. And the third part, my favorite. May I be free from anger, affliction, fear, and anxiety. May you be free from anger, affliction, fear, and anxiety. May they be free from anger, affliction, fear, and anxiety. And so it is. You have everything you need right here and right now for your highest good and the highest good of all those you care about. Highest good, you say? Highest good is the definitive word, or we could use highest values, as I call this state of bliss, nirvana, shangri-la. There is only one singular sensation. Every little step you take, there's only one asset, one group worth its weight in gold. Are you listening now? Take out your pen and quill. Jot these words down. <laughs>
embed them into your mind, your cranium, your prefrontal cortex, your amygdala, your hippocampus, your skull, brain, pituitary gland. Here they go. You ready? Principles, ethics, morals, standards, code of behavior, moral code, virtuous actions and language, upright, upstanding, high-minded, principled, exemplary, law-abiding, irreproachable, unimpeachable, immaculate, honest, honorable, reputable, laudable, respectable, worthy, meritorious. Why, you say, is a hippie, radical, revolutionary, avant-garde gal like me speaking these words? Because I've come full circle. Thank you, T.S. Eliot. Back to where I began in the womb, where every child is pure, saintly, angelic, good, righteous, guiltless, blameless, decent, noble, squeaky clean, white than white in more ways than one. Back to the land, back to nature, back to the spirit within that guides us. There's only one you, so you may as well be the highest version of yourself. Let's raise the bar. (laughs) That could be the COVID blessing. No longer tolerating abuse. Lower your threshold for pain. Receiving it or inflicting it. I rest my case. Now it's time for our caller. Hello there. Welcome to Sleepless in Studio City. I'm Dr. Debs, and who am I speaking with? So call me Smith or Smitty, I guess. <laughs> well, hi, Smith or Smitty. Welcome to the show, and where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling from Los Angeles. And what's on your mind tonight? What's keeping you from sweet, soft slumber? Well, I've been wrestling with something in my mind. See, I am an out-of-work entertainer. Now, I'm not delusional. I know that all entertainers need day jobs until they can make it steadily or, uh, if not that, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, they get the big break. But I'm not delusional. I try for jobs so much. And getting them, though, is like trying to prove aliens exist. And I cannot blame this all on COVID. I can't because this has been a problem I've had for a while. I've had some occasional work. Now, I have this other opportunity to at least try working for somewhere downtown. But the pay will not be enough to live off of as is, and certainly less because I don't drive. I would need to take Lyft or Uber every day, and that will basically, I'll be spending away most of what I'm making in a day anyway, so I'll be coming out with diddly squat, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like I need to make something. Uh, I don't even live on my own. My my parents are incredible. They're supportive, uh, more supportive than I should think that they should have to be. So I'm just someone who wrestles around, have a hard time making a decision. So that's what I'm calling about there, Doc. (laughs) Well, you're not alone in being an out-of-work entertainer. That's most of us who entertain. And speaking of entertaining, what do you do to entertain yourself during these times, during these hard times? What is it that brings you joy? Well, I've been writing uh, a new musical, 
because I write songs as well, and I sing, and I, I play keyboard. I'm an actor as well, and so I've been doing that. I've also been job hunting, taking my power walks, because I weigh a lot less than I used to, and I'm thrilled about that. I read. I speak to my friends. I hang out with them sometimes. Oh, you know, we, we do our social distancing. I'm glad that seems like that's breaking up as of late. Thank God things are really getting better. Oh, um, <laughs> it's getting yeah. better all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, those all sound wonderful. Another thing I wanted to center on is you talked about how your parents are helpful, and that kind of brought me a warm smile because that's unusual. Oh, and have they always good. been that supportive? Yes, they have. And I've got to admit, I, I so appreciate it, but I also can't help but feel bad in, in ways because I don't just want my independence. I want them to have theirs, and oh. I don't want them to keep having me as part of their their job of the day, their responsibility. I really don't. I mean, I'm 40 years old, and when I stop and think about it, it you know it really frightens me. Oh well, that's sweet. You're such a sweet son to be caring about them. I'm sure they know that and Thank appreciate you. it. As parents, as a parent myself, we're always there for our kids, and our kids are always yes. number one. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, you're still True. their child, their offspring, their everything, and you're never a burden, a responsibility. I always, I tell my daughter every day, I'm so lucky you chose me, and I'm the lucky parent on the planet. You mean everything to me. We're very, very close, and she's older, an adult child. We enjoy that closeness, and she enjoys it, and neither one of us feel responsible. So my question to you is, what makes you feel like you're a burden and you want to release your parents of their responsibility? What makes me feel like that? Well, counting on them for all the things one counts on when they, when one first comes into the world, a place to live, food to eat, medicine, uh, you know, prescriptions, because I'm, I'm on medication. Have they told you that you're a burden and that they want to be released of the responsibility? No. Have they told you in nonverbal ways? No. Well, I mean, not that I've picked up on. Okay. So. so something inside of you is feeling like you're a responsibility. Yeah. The reason I'm saying this is because, and I'm going to get teary-eyed and emotional, but when my daughter comes to me and asks me for help or needs me for anything, yeah. I cannot tell you what a gift that is. That oh. means the world to me. So... When you're saying this and you're saying, you know, I want to relieve them, I, I get chills right now. I mean, I don't ever want to be relieved. You know, I hope my daughter never relieves me, but it's a joy and a pleasure. I'm telling you, I literally love it. It gives me meaning and purpose. I look forward to it. So when my daughter needs me for something, I am joyful. I am blissful. I am honored. I am grateful. So I'm wondering where it comes from that you feel a burden. Well, thank you. Thank you. And maybe I'm blowing my cover with this, but you've inspired me. I certainly didn't write this, but here's just uh, a little bit of a song by a very successful group. Please remember how I feel about you. I know I could never live without you. 
So come on back to me. You mean so much to me. I need you. Oh, that's beautiful. Who wrote that? Thank you for saying that. I I think I messed up the words a little bit, but that was a Beatles song. Mainly, ri- it was written by George, and it's on the Help album. Oh, wow! Yeah, you know, so- I realize we don't want to not be in each other's lives, and I and I guess that's even more true because of what you just said. I've been feeling this inner guilt, but it's unfounded because I, I'm not a burden to them after all, and thank you for that. I am honored, <laughs> and thank you I'm for acknowledging too. that, because again, being able to help someone, like when you call in, and tonight, calling into the show... That means the world to me. My world is a much better place for you calling in tonight. My world the fact is better, that, too. Thank you. You know, so that's how it works, and we do need each other. Help, yes. you know, I need someone help. But exactly. it's, you know, and all we need is yes. love. It's not just parent to child, but it's friend to friend. It's lover to lover. It's not all we need is love, but people... People who need people people are the luckiest people. You know, I mean, here we are. You know, I didn't know this was going to be our own musical, but I love to break out into song, right? It's so true. (laughs) The lyrics are true, and they've been said over and over. It's the same meaning, but with different words, different songs, different books. But it's all about the same concept. We need each other. Your parents need you. You need them. That's the beauty of life, of living on this planet. Right? It is. Oh, it is. It and is. And that's thank you something, for shining the light. Thank you. That's something that COVID, I think, has brought out in everyone. The fact it that has. we need each other and we are not alone on the planet. I have needed people more than ever during COVID. I need you. I need my daughter. I need my friends. I could not have gotten through this last year without a little help from my friends. Exactly. Wow, I opened up a real Pandora's box. (laughs) Awesome. It's awesome, yeah. And on that note, on that note, hold on to that thought because we're going to be right back. We're going to take a brief station break, and then I want to continue talking about how we need each other. (laughs) The moment you've been waiting for, our magical musical interlude featuring the incredible, the astounding, accomplished, acclaimed singer-songwriter Sarah Partridge. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Well, thank you. That's quite an intro, Gav. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) It's an honor and pleasure to have you, and I wanted to start out hearing a little bit about your history, or her story, as I call it, and how you first came to find a passion in music. Oh, wow. It goes way back. Um, You know, my, my original plan as a very little girl was to be an actress, and I pursued that for... I'd say what you would call it now, half of my life, um, you know, starting in Chicago, moving to Los Angeles, then meeting my husband out in Los Angeles, and as an actress, I'd always done musicals, but I'd always had the passion for jazz, and that started very young uh, with my, my parents who listened to it constantly. And my father, really, with the what he called the Chick Singers, Sarah Vaughn, Ella Fitzgerald, June Christie, Chris Connor, his favorites. 
Um, so at a point in L.A. when my acting career was uh, starting to wane, um, I was fortunate to work for many years, but then, you know, a woman turns 30 in L.A., and you know what can happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, my, my husband-to-be at the time was like, uh, you know, we were out. This is this is the story, and it's, it's very strange and funny. We were at the improv, and at that time they were having a, a karaoke night every Tuesday, and we would go in with a bunch of friends, and my husband said, you know, I know you sing. Get up and do something. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't, I don't know any of these pop songs or whatever. <laughs> but, he, you know, my friends were like, go, go, go. And, and I, found a, I found a version of Summertime, Gershwin's Summertime, and did that reluctantly, and sat down, and some man came up to me and said, you know, introduced himself and said, are you a professional jazz singer? It's like, no, I'm not. And he said, well, I, I think I could book you. And, you know, that's really the start of it all. <gasps> but the answer to your question is that the, the passion for the music started very early. I just didn't really know it was going to morph into my, my career, which it did. It wow. eventually did. What a great story. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing like I went to the Eastman School of Music and, you know, not, not, none of those esteemed wonderful things. It was a sort of serendipitous all right. Oh, no, but I love it. And I used to hang out at the improv a long time ago where people went there nowadays you hear about, but you didn't know them like Robin Williams. Right. And right, right. Nobody knew them and they just got up there. So it was a fertile ground for a lot of people, including yourself. A lot. So what a great a lot story. The one little tag to that story is that the chef at the improv he, he was a fantastic singer, and he would, you know, every karaoke night, he would join in. And what happened, my husband was a producer, and he produced a night at the improv, and there were six of us who did, you know, jazz. But this guy, Barry, and I can't remember his last name, he went on to, like, he didn't win the voice, but he was, like, the right up there, you know, like the second runner-up or something, so... I you know, love it. It was great. It was great. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I asked you that question. What goodies you <laughs> had to give us. I was wondering, what is the meaning of music in your life? It's really my savior, I'd say. You know, um, it, it, when you feel great, it's, it's great to sing. And when you feel awful, it, it's actually medicine. But So it's, it's kind of... It's kind of my my religion, my soul, and I know other musicians have said that. I've heard it before, but it's really true. It's um, it's like a healing power. It really is. Aww. And all I know is that when I do sing, I I'm better for it. I feel better for it. And hopefully, I'm giving something to someone else. You know, Aww. when I do. Well, the world is a better place with you in it and having your wonderful singing. <laughs> What's your favorite part about performing live? Oh, just the rush that it gives you, you know. I, I think my favorite part is at the end when you're done and you just feel so, like, elated. It's like you finished a, a race and you won. <laughs> um, All those endorphins, it is a high, huh? Exactly. It really is. Yeah. 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 And that audience feedback, there's nothing like that. Oh, that's great. Well, speaking of love, you talked about your husband 
I was wondering what you believe is the key to finding and keeping love. Oh, uh, hmm. I think a deep friendship is the key to finding it, first of all, because there has to be that connection, um, and then in keeping it. So I would say deep friendship and laughter. Oh. My husband always makes me laugh. Oh. He still makes me laugh after 25 years. Oh. And, um, <clears throat> you know, through the thick and thin of it, I think that's it. And we're best friends. And best friends, yes. And that's the greatest word of affection that a man can give a woman is to say you are my best friend. I agree. I agree. I know a lot of women say, I don't want to be your best friend. I was like, no, that's the highest compliment a man gives a woman is to say you're my best friend. I agree because you're not just an object. You, you really, really mean something deeply when, when you're a best friend. Exactly. And that's the word deep. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of influences in your life, I want to hear a little bit about your connection with Janice Ian and the song that you've chosen for us to hear tonight. Well, first of all, the song is Janice's uh, biggest hit of all time. She won the Grammy Award for it. Um, I think it was 1978 or 76. Um, but my connection with her is that I had decided that the last album I made, I wanted to be a reinvention of someone's material that wasn't necessarily a jazz artist, because all of that's been done, you know. And, and I thought it would be interesting to take a pop artist or a folk artist and, and try to reimagine their songs. And I had known of Janice's music, of course, but not in depth. So I went and studied it and realized, oh my God, she's prolific. She is an incredible songwriter. She also had a lot of roots in jazz when she was much younger. And, and I found a lot of things that I thought I could translate into the genre. So what happened is that I, I had come across her in a um, recording academy, not a chat room, but a Facebook page, and reached out to her. And she had actually heard my music and said, I think that's a great idea, and I hope you don't mind, but you know, since I'm alive, I'd love to be involved. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I said, that would, that would be great, you know, because I think I called it a tribute album, and she's like, well, if it's a tribute al album, you know, at least I'm not dead, is kind of how she put it. I said, okay, I'm honoring you. It's not like it's in tribute to your passing or anything. But So what happened is that she opened up her entire catalog to me, musical catalog, and that included some songs that she had written that had never been recorded before. And then we decided to try to write a, at least one song together for the album. That wouldn't that be great? Aww. So I went down to Nashville where she lived, and we just immediately hit it off as as friends. It was just so easy to be with her, and I had, believe me, some anxiety going down there, thinking to myself, "I'm, I'm about to write with you know a Grammy-winning, wonderful songwriter." How is this going to go? I've never co-written with anyone before. I've only written on my own. And it was, she fit like a glove. And hopefully she would say the same to me. And we have uh, a real admiration for each other. And it was wonderful writing together. And we promised to do it again. So um, I'm really honored and happy to have her in my life. Oh, how glorious. It sounds like a dream yeah. come true. Woo. 
Well, you know, I'm, I'm this young girl listening to at 17, you know, in my own angst. I think I was 15 at the time. <laughs> and, you know, who would have thought that at some point I'd be writing a song with her as I'm listening to her on, you know, my transistor radio, you oh. know? So those things are kind of cool. Oh, auspicious and absolutely incredible story. I'm so jazzed <laughs> to hear this tune. Who is on the track? Well... My, my band, who works with me pretty consistently, and I've worked with them here in New York for like 20 years, I will say this, it's, it's arranged by my drummer, Tim Horner, he, he, and there's a, I think, a beautiful introduction to the song. It's very different, of course, than what Janice did. It's written, you know, this is a song written in 4-4 time, we've put it into 7-4 time, and added some horns, and we will see. But so we have Tim Horner on drums, and he's the arranger. Alan Farnham on piano. Bill Mooring on bass. And these are my guys out of New York. Uh, ben Williams on trombone. And Dan Block on flute and soprano and tenor sax. Oh, I love it. I'm looking forward to having Alan on my upcoming showcase and benefit for the Innocence <laughs> Project. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I love it. That's so fantastic. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? My advice is just to try to stay true to yourself. I, I know that I think the biggest mistake that, that I may have made along the way is that I was trying to please others so much just to make my way. And once I finally sort of found myself and believed a little more in myself, I think that's where things artistically got a lot better uh, in my life. So if you can, just stay, believe in yourself, believe in what you do, and stay true to yourself. Don't, don't try to please others all the time. It's hard as an artist, you know? You, you want to please others. You do, but you can't lose yourself in that. Words of wisdom. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> For whatever they're worth. <laughs> For what it's worth, another favorite song of mine. <laughs> Before we go, is there anything else you'd like to leave your family, friends, and fans with? Well, uh, I, first of all, I think you are great. I love your spirit. Aww. And, um, you know, thank you for supporting musicians, especially during um, the pandemic. And thank you for helping uh, people in prison who are not supposed to be there. I, I, I didn't say that very, very eloquently, but that's what I wanted to say to you. I think you do a lot of good, Deb, so we, we all appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. That makes it all worthwhile. And yes, <laughs> I love supporting the Innocence Project, that amazing Correct. organization that works so yeah. diligently to exonerate innocent victims who have been wrongly right. accused and falsely convicted, unjustly incarcerated for decades. So to feature someone like you, whoa, what a gift it's been. You saved my life during COVID because if it wasn't for someone like you, not only so gracious and generous, but talented at the top of her game and la creme de la creme, you make it so, so worthwhile. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's been my pleasure. Oh, and without further ado, we're going to hear Sarah Partridge in a reimagination 
of Janice Ian's tune at 17. Take it away, Sarah. <laughs> with clear skin smiles who married young and then retired The Valentines I never knew The Friday night charades of youth were spent on one more beautiful At seventeen I learned the truth faces lacking in the social graces desperately remained at home inventing lovers on the phone who called to say come dance with me and murmured vague obscenities it isn't all it seems at 17 A brown-eyed girl in hand-me-downs Whose name I never could pronounce Said, pity please the ones who serve They only get what they deserve The rich relation hometown queen Marries into what she needs With guarantee of company and haven for the elderly Remember those who win the games Lose the love they sought to gain In debentures of quality And dubious integrity Their small town eyes will gape at you In dull surprise when payment due exceeds accounts received at 
those of us who knew the pain of Valentine's that never came, and those whose names were never called when choosing sides for basketball. Long ago and far away, the world was younger than today. When dreams were all they gave for free to ugly duckling girls like me. We play the game, and when we dare, cheat ourselves at solitaire, inventing lovers on the phone. Repenting other lives unknown, they call to say, "Come dance with me," and murmur vain obscenities at ugly girls like me at seventeen. great was that? And welcome back to the show, Smitty Smith. We were talking about needing each other. All we need is love and how this is a, a wee planet. We have to rely on each other and how it's been difficult for you to rely on your parents who are there for you. Yeah. Is this a new feeling for you or have you always felt guilty that you're a burden? Well, I've felt it more and more as I've realized that time is marching on and I've been getting older. I mean, 40? Jeez. I, w- I mean, I want out, not not of our lives, but I want out. I want my independence. I also want them to have theirs. I'm feeling a little less guilty about it now. Thank you. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, seriously. I uh, uh, And we're all working on getting me in a, in a better position for my life. Uh, and I'd like to think that I can do that for them, too, but Mm, I'd, I'd like it without the guilt. You use the word independence, and the thought came to me. Are you talking about physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual? Because there's all different kinds of independence. You I'm could be yeah. with someone physically 24-7, relying on each other physically, and still being mentally, emotionally independent. When you talk about independence, what are you referring to? Well, definitely the physical, that's for sure. Um, but maybe there's some need for it spiritually and emotionally as well. Uh, though not from the love, because there's a whole lot of love. And the talk of love that you and I have been you know, talking about and singing about as of late. <laughs> um, yeah, there's plenty of that. And it's, uh, oh, it's real love. It's real. More Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's that. Yeah, we, we definitely have the love. I, I was just, so that we can all grow and prosper and not have to lean on each other so much physically. Lean on me when you're yep. not strong. 
and I'll be around <laughs> to help you carry yeah. When you said maybe emotionally and spiritually, my question to you is what do you do to enhance your emotional and spiritual independence? What kind of things help you to feel emotionally and spiritually independent? It's a good question. Well, I'll tell you, I've been working on my skills to uh, do more things for my entertainment career as of late and gaining skills and do it, doing it at least a little more instead of not doing what is currently in use, what works with uh, technology, multimedia. I've also reached out and made a few fr- new friends, uh, which didn't happen before so much. Friends who are still friends. And um, what else did I... What else, what else did I... I'm some amnesia here. We're uh, talking about emotional and spiritual independence. Yes, yes. Well, what does that mean to you? What does it, emotional wow. and or spiritual independence mean to you? Well, being able to respect opinions but not letting them necessarily run my life, which I am pulling away from a fair amount, but maybe I feel I need to do that more so, mainly with with my father. You said that softly, and thank you for your honesty, because that was beautiful. Thank I just you. noticed how when you said his name, it became very quiet, soft, and introspective, and I can feel the depth of just that word, father. Would you like to yeah. elaborate on that? Well, he's always on me about how high I sing, how, and at times, the way I eat. And I'm not talking about what I'm eating, but the form, the uh, the biting of the food. Uh, uh, at the moment, those are the main, the two main things. Well, that's a I, lot. I Thank you for being yeah. vulnerable and revealing that, because I can tell that there's some pain there. I can feel it. I've got chills right now. A lot of emotion there. Maybe that's you describing... Ooh, I got chills again. Maybe that's you describing emotional independence, that it is from your father. Not necessarily physically being independent from him, but emotionally, because... When I heard you say that, that he's on your case about how you eat or how you sing, I just, that hit me on such a primal level because I grew up with that. I grew up with, I grew up with not only a father like that, but a mother like that, a sister like that. They were on my case about how I moved, breathed, dressed, lived, breathed, everything. They were always on my case. That's a lot of pain. That's really hurts on a very deep primal level. So I know what that's like. I call that emotional abuse. It's very damaging. I've spent a lifetime trying to heal from that. I'm sorry. Wow. You're not alone. You're not alone. And I know so many people that come from that. My wish for you, and you sound very insightful, courageous, and strong, and you're willing to call and open yourself up and being forthcoming, is that you look at this inside of you and that you can be emotionally independent even if your father is with you 24-7. Yes. Yes, and I mean, I am trying also not to be hypocritical. Sometimes I'm thinking, well, even if he doesn't, even if he is, even if it is emotional abuse, maybe there are certain times 
where there might be a little point uh, inside of it, so I, I'll try to ne negotiate, but not giving in to exactly what he wants, because I know myself, I know way better, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not be a hypocrite while still sticking up for myself and uh, not letting him manipulate me, God bless him, you know. I just had another light bulb. Well, thank you so much, Smitty Smith, because you've just opened doors for me. You were talking about him, and I thought, wow, I wonder if it's possible or if you just had the vision where your father could say anything he wanted or give his opinion, tell you what he thinks you should do or be or how you should be. And I always say, don't should on yourself or others, but he's not here. So I can't tell him not to should on you. But no, right. what about this? Just imagine that he was telling you how you should be or what he doesn't like about you, and right. you did not respond. I will give that a try. Is he asking you, I always say, look for the question mark. Is he asking your opinion on his opinion? No. Okay. So there's no question mark. So there's no necessity to respond. He's not asking you what you think of his opinion. He's telling you his. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right. So you're right. rather yeah, than yeah. rather than engage feeding the fire, and I'm not negating your feelings because hold on to this <laughs> thought because I'm gonna offer suggestions on how to deal with your feelings separate from your father. But the concept is and the vision is where he has his opinion, because you said you wanna work on respecting other people's opinion and not letting them get to you. Right. How about silence? It's almost like, okay, thank you for sharing. And here's the other light bulb. It's a change in perspective. I imagine your father loves you deeply. And that when he gives you his opinion of how you should be or should act, he is believing that he's being a loving father. Yeah. He may not be effective in what he's doing, but I imagine that he is coming from a place of love. And I'm saying this for my family members who I have to believe that they were coming from love even though they were critical spirits. And your father sounds like a critical spirit. Yes. There's a critical spirit and there's a nurturing spirit and you cannot change a critical spirit. So you cannot change him no matter how long or how many minutes or how loud or strong you respond. You're not going to change him from no, being true. a critical spirit. No, that's true. That's true. It only caused more anger and uh, who knows. So uh, What you can do while he's... A couple of tools, if you want to add them to your tool chest, is while he's talking and giving his opinion, you can be blessing him using this affirmation. Bless him, change me. Bless him, change me. And you can be saying it to yourself while he's talking. And by the time he's done, you're going to be coming from a place of love that you can respond and say thank you. Oh, okay. So I'm changing myself as in... As in how you're reacting, because you're not reacting. Right. Cool. But, you, but you're acting. 
So you're not minimizing yeah. your feelings because I want to validate your feelings, especially. You are. You are. Okay, I just want to make sure. I feel because, the validation. Yeah, I yeah. come from critical spirits, an entire household of critical spirits. You know. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm just dealing with one here. I mean, I you know. Do, oh, I, I mean, I feel like I want to do something for you. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh what, no, no, no! Here's the other glass half full and yeah. the silver lining. I'm going to get teary-eyed again, but if I did not experience what I went through coming from verbal and emotional abuse and critical spirits, I would not be able to help you. True, true. I guess they say it's true. Everything's for a reason. It's just hard to realize it in the moment, I guess, sometimes. Yeah, I... yeah. That also brings me to hurt people, hurt people. Your father probably came from critical spirits. Well, I think he did. I don't want to go into detail about what I know about that, which is very little. I want to keep that private. But um, It's yeah. just another thought for you to be able to yeah. put in your toolbox and say, bless him, change me. Bless him, change me. Bless him, change me. Okay. I also suggest... It sounds like your mom is a nurturing spirit. Very much, very much. I would focus on that. Mm. When you're saying, bless him, change me, the change could be where you go where the love is, the nurturing, and still be able to bless the critical spirit. Because you've got that right mm. there. You don't have to go far for the nurturing. No, not far. I imagine that she is aware of the critical spirit of your father and oh, yeah. would be ever yeah. so happy to be there for a shoulder for you to lean on, even though it's her husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I, I return the favor. I'd be a shoulder for him to lean on, too, sometimes, if he could let me. I wouldn't even worry about that, because as a parent <clears throat> myself, that's yeah. not your job. Oh, no, that's that's true. I love the thought of being able to to cradle some people lovingly, though, but... Uh, and you can do that. And you, <laughs> you can do that, and I can tell that you're a nurturing spirit. And you can do that, but it does not have to be with your mom or dad. No, true, true. Okay. You can be the nurturing spirit because you do have both. You've got the nurturing spirit and the critical spirit. You are the perfect person to be available as a nurturing spirit to the people in your life, to whoever you meet, yes. and whoever you do meet is going to be super grateful and lucky to be in your life. Thank you. Well, I agree, though. I mean, to agree humbly, uh, but we're, we're all going to make each other lucky, feel lucky, and and uh, happy and warm. <laughs> well, you've made my life much richer for calling in, and I want to say thank you so much, and I encourage you to use some of these tools. Call back. Let us know how it goes, because I've got a toolbox filled with lots of other things, too. So <laughs> I'd be happy to well, share okay, them with yeah. you. Sounds great. I'll, I'm going to take a little, a little while to make sure, you know, let it all settle into action, and uh, want to give you a fair report, uh, I don't know, maybe in a month? Maybe <laughs> it sounds month great. I would be yeah. so jazzed to hear from you. And we can sing a, a few more tunes. And I wish you happy yeah. singing and happy nurturing. And I'm so excited to hear how it's going. Thank you. 
<laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you God so much. Thank you. I hope okay. that helps you get some sweet, soft, soothing sound slumber. <laughs> oh, there's a great chance of it. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's all the time we have. Tune in nightly at 9 p.m. Pacific Time and Midnight Eastern Time to AmericanHeartsRadio.com for another enlightening episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Dr. Debs deemed the new relationship guru, a West Coast Dr. Laura, and East Coast Carrie Bradshaw, provides comforting, heartfelt help. She will lift your spirits, illuminate your mind, inspire creativity, promote positivity, and empower you to pursue your highest aspirations. You deserve to be the best version of yourself. If you'd like to be a guest caller, featured artist, or have your writing question answered on the show, feel free to contact Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com, and she'll schedule you for the next opening. For replay links, updates, and affirmations, please visit facebook.com slash sleeplessinstudiocity or twitter.com slash drdebs. Find full episodes on iTunes. You can also listen to five-minute excerpts on YouTube while watching a soothing, serene slideshow. Dr. Debs is available around the clock for telephone life coaching sessions, and the first consultation is free. Contact her at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com to arrange an appointment at your convenience. Dr. Debs will impart weekly wows, words of wisdom, and leave you with esteem builders and confidence boosters to help you transform from the inside out. Repeat often. Say them in the morning, in the evening, while driving, standing in line, or on a lunch break. Speak with conviction, and you will begin to believe. Without further ado, here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Maxie, for that endearing closing. You are a light in my life. You give me hope to carry on. I'm eternally grateful for your encouragement, enthusiasm, endless energy, boundless love. You are the gift that keeps on giving and the reason for the season, even if it is in June. <laughs> and speaking of being eternally grateful, have you hugged your child today? or anyone else in your family or your circle of friends, we have 86,400 seconds in a day. Have you used one of those to say thank you? To express a gratitude? You don't have to wait till someone's on their deathbed before you tell them they're an asset in your life, how much they mean to you, how your world is much better and brighter with them in it, how they lift you to higher levels. Speaking of higher levels, I leave you with these words of wisdom from the wisdom book of Don Miguel Ruiz called The Four Agreements. <laughs> The first agreement is right up my alley. Be impeccable with your word. <laughs> I've been talking about that ad infinitum. Speak with integrity. 
Say only what you mean. Say what you mean, but don't say it mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. This is what Mr. Ruiz says about your word. <laughs> the power of words. What does impeccable mean anyway? <laughs> Be impeccable with your words? Well, I'll tell you what it means. <laughs> impeccable means without sin. It comes from the Latin peccatus, which means sin. The im part in impeccable means without. <laughs> what does that mean to sin? A sin is anything you do which goes against yourself. You go against yourself when you judge or blame yourself for anything. Being impeccable means not going against yourself. It means taking responsibility for your actions, but not judging or blaming yourself. Okay, so what does that have to do with how we speak to other people? Here's a good example. <laughs> Since being impeccable with your word means not using the word against yourself. If I see you in the street and I call you stupid, it appears I'm using the word against you, but I'm really using the word against myself because you're going to hate me for this and your hating me is not good for me. Therefore, if I get angry and with my words send all that emotional poison to you, I'm using the word against myself. <laughs> If I love myself, I'll express that love in my interactions with you, and then I'm being impeccable with the word because that action will produce a like reaction. If I love you, you'll love me. If I insult you, you'll insult me. If I have gratitude for you, you'll have gratitude for me. If I'm selfish with you, you'll be selfish with me. If I use the word to put a spell on you, you're going to put a spell on me. Being impeccable with your word is the correct use of your energy. It means use your energy in the direction of truth and love for yourself. That's why we've got to make an agreement with ourselves to be impeccable with our word. And the power of the word is often misused <laughs> to curse, blame, find guilt, destroy, to spread personal poison, to express anger, jealousy, envy, and hate. Words are pure magic. Words are the most powerful gift we have. And we use it against ourselves. We plan revenge. We create chaos. We use words to create hate between different races, between different people, between families, between nations. Misuse of our words is how we pull each other down and keep each other in a state of fear and doubt. If we misuse words, and because words are magic, then it's like black magic. <laughs> We are using black magic all the time without even knowing that our words are magic. We can literally put spells on people with our words. They can be so powerful. When I was younger and my parents said not to play the piano, I was making too much noise or I'll never amount to anything. And why bother even practicing? That was a spell. They put a spell on me because I stopped. I stopped playing music. I stopped playing the piano. I stopped singing because they told me I had a terrible voice compared to my sister. Oh, that was a spell. Black magic of words. 
I've been trying to break that spell ever since. I'm breaking it little by little, but it's taken a lifetime. So are you going to put a spell on someone this week with your black magic? Or are you going to use your words to lift someone up to make their life brighter, to make them feel bigger? Because then you're putting that same magic on yourself. So if you want to feel good today, (laughs) tell someone else how much they matter to you. Tell them how wonderful they are, how you appreciate their brilliance, their radiance, their luminosity. (laughs) That's the key to preventing another pandemic (laughs) from infiltrating the planet, the universe, the Milky Way, the solar system. I leave you with these affirmations to say in front of the mirror looking deep into your eyes where you will see your essence your chi your soul since we are all one and the same you will also be seeing the soul of every other human being plant and animal on the planet i deserve to live a successful happy, joyful life. My needs are okay with me. My feelings are okay with me. I can take my own time. There's plenty. I make peace with myself as I practice forgiveness. I am filled with a deep sense of the oneness of all life. I have a clear sense of myself in any relationship. I can say yes to what I want and no to what I don't want. The choice is mine. I have physical boundaries. I will say no when I don't want to be touched. I deserve relationships with people who honor my boundaries. I am free from the fear, anger, or moodiness of others. I can detach with love. I am a valuable human being and I deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Hear ye, hear ye. Peace out. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. I see. After midnight, we're gonna let it all hang